So this afternoon, it is my pleasure to welcome Jack Pryor to my sofa. Not really. <laughs> We're pretending because you're on Zoom. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you? You're very, very busy. You've just told me well, you're a little bit late, which is fine. But tell me, what, what have you been doing today that you're so busy? Uh, so I had two sessions this this morning. I started, well, I left the house <clears throat> at like 7.15. And then the first session was from like 8.30 till 10. Maybe I had a little break. And then we had the second session from 11 till about 12.30. Then finish, shower, get back to Oxford, have lunch. And now it's... 2.15. So that's my whole day pretty much gone now. <laughs> so you train in the morning. You don't train in the afternoon, evening. So now because we're out of... Because I, I row at Oxford Brooks, which is a student-led um, university programme. So we're now out of term time, which means that we can row every single morning and we have the whole morning free. But during term time, we row in the evenings during the week and then in the mornings on the weekend. So basically, your whole life is rowing. You eat, yeah. day, sleep, rowing. Um, I wanna, I'm going to take you back to the very beginning, right? As a little boy growing up in Jib, <clears throat> you went to school. Uh, and when did you when did you get into rowing? Uh, I started getting into rowing when I'd watch, probably watched my dad race when he was when I was like ten or eleven, and. I always thought it was quite fun. And then I started doing it when I was 12. So I was in year seven in school, year eight. And then I started taking it a bit more seriously, probably when I was 14. So what's that? Uh, year eight, year nine, started taking it a bit more seriously. So your father uh, really, your father really was your inspiration? Yeah, yeah. Don't tell him that though. But yeah, he <laughs> I was going to say, I hope he listens. I hope he listens. He'll be very proud. He'll be very proud. Yeah, definitely. We know your mum and dad very well, and they're always going on about how proud, especially your mum. I mean, Inyo. I mean, Inyo, que está ahí solito. But a lot of, a lot of um, what you're doing is making not just your parents and your family proud, Jack. Uh, I, as a mother of two rowers as well, my kids have gone to the Galpe like you, and it's just, it, it makes me proud to know you um, because what, what you've achieved achieved um just is just um, overwhelming really oh, and, and you're you. still and you're still so young so tell me so you go to the galpe tell me about the galpe rowing club as a club um your father obviously used to go there so then you 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 join as well and you start rowing there tell me about the training that you had as a youngster at the galpe uh it was obviously tough for at the time when i was 14 15 growing up all the way until i was 18 and we we wouldn't have been able to have done it without the the coaches there, especially uh, Leslie, who spent so much, so so much time and money on us buying new boats, taking us here, taking us there. Uh, I don't know how he did it and why he did it, but he obviously must have really liked us and seen something in all of us. So there was a quite a big group, and then it started like funneling out the guys that didn't find it interesting anymore just started quitting and like letting go and then yeah probably when I got to the age of like 17 
when I was taking it very, very seriously, I started looking at universities that revolved around rowing. And that's when I decided to join Oxford Brooks because they had won two events at Henley um, in the men's category. So I thought that'll probably be the best place for me to go and sort of develop and get better and just see how, if I could try and win Henley at least. But you're not you're not studying anything to do with, oh, you didn't study because I know you've graduated now. You didn't study anything to do with rowing particularly. No, I, I graduated in 2021. Um, I graduated doing sports coaching and PE. It was a good course here at um, Oxford Brooks. A lot of the rowers do it because it's quite, well, <clears throat> physical, like PE-based. Um, it's good fun. It's not like crazy hard like some of the other uh, subjects here. And then last year, I did my PGC at Brooks as well. That was a little bit harder because it was a lot more time-consuming than the undergrad, but sort of made it work and ended up being pretty good. But now I'm just working in a school uh, in Oxford. And so you're, are you teaching now? You're teaching? Yeah, I'm teaching two days a week now. It's not very much, but it's uh, just a little bit of money that I get so I can sort of survive and keep going obviously i can't i can't do what i do without the like help from my parents and my grandparents and the support that they give me because if not i wouldn't be able to sort of row full time and teach i can only do so much teaching because i've got so much training to do so so your training now i mean a lot of people think maybe you should be an olympian uh is this something you aspire to uh hopefully yeah in a few years once uh, once some of the guys higher up in the national team start retiring and calling it a day, hopefully that, that means that I can sort of move up in there. If not, I, I'll, I guess I'll have to stop and then call it a day, but that, that eventually will be you the goal. Yeah, I think so. It's it's amazing to think that we will really have, I mean, we've had an Olympian already. I think she was a gymnast. But to think that th this is what you're aiming for, basically. And to be able to do that and to be able to become an Olympian, you need to give up everything to do this, to put your hearts and soul, everything into this. And of course, money is an option. I think people don't realize that when you, you're, you are training at that level, um, you know, you've got to be funded from somewhere. Somebody has to pay your existence. You can't, and you can't really do that in Gibraltar. So this is why you're teaching two days a week and, and basically still uh, having help from your mom and dad and your family. Yeah. Is it very hard? Is this, is this hard, Jack? Is it hard to, to, to um, train as you do and, and worry about money as well at your age? I think my parents make it very easy for me and my grandparents make it very easy for me because I know I can always if I feel like I'm a bit low or struggling or something, I can always count on them to help me. And they're only like a three hour flight away, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or at the end of the phone. So obviously you do think about it and you worry about it sometimes, but my parents and my grandparents make it very easy for me. So tell me, tell me about, tell me about the training. The training in the Galpe is one thing. The training in Brooks University is another thing. And then the training for, for what you're doing now is a whole other thing. So how does it compare? How does what you were taught at the Galpe compare with what you've been taught at Brooks? And, and, and to guide you through your, I mean, what, what did it leave in your mind? for you to be able to focus as you do on what you're doing now? I think when I was, well, when I was a lot younger, 
and the training at the Calpe was obviously a lot. It was hard. It was a lot of hard work, but in terms of like the volume, it wasn't obviously at the standard of a top university program. So it's obviously a big shock to the system when you get here and you're doing all this extra volume. You can sort of just about deal with it, and you you get to the end of the week and you're like hoping for that rest day to come soon and each week sort of each month you sort of feel like you're getting fitter and fitter and fitter but so i think training at the galpas set me out really well for joining brooks because in terms of intensity and mindset it's it's similar it's just that you just got to deal with that extra load of more training coming in and then sort of i did that for two years and then in my third year here at brooks i started adding a little bit of extra volume to that what we were already doing because I'd already been on the program for two years and you can sort of see the rewards that you're getting from it but once you reach like a certain part you need to sort of do a little bit more in order to get better ergo scores and get fitter and get stronger and be able to do not just one race flat out but three four five races one day after the other flat out so that's what all that volume training does for you um and at the level we want to operate here at brooks we're aiming to do well we're aiming to win each event that we enter at henley and henley is a five-day race one race every day so you could have five really hard races one after the other every day all the training yeah so all the training we do leading up to that is all geared for doing five really, really hard races or six really hard races back to back one day after the other. Is that like the pinnacle of the rowing calendar in, in the UK at the moment? I think, yeah, it's probably, probably the pinnacle in the rowing calendar in the whole world. So they get, last year I raced in the final a crew from California, Berkeley, USA, like the university there. So everyone from around the world comes. We also raced the Dutch crew. There were also crews from all around the UK coming as well. So um, Henley is an event where everyone in the world wants to race at and sort of come to and try and win. So it's it's obviously a really big one for us. And what was your very first important competition that that you remember? And how did you do? My very first one's probably the ones in Gibraltar that I didn't do very well at. Um, <laughs> Ooh, probably really? losing, probably lo- probably losing to the. To the older guys from the med and ah. then, yeah, if, yeah eventually then starting to beat them and yeah getting better and better and learning a lot and then <clears throat> obviously all the races that i've been doing that was well those have all led to the races that i've been doing now haven't they absolutely and and i mean the most important one that i watched was the under 23 where you won the world championship which was yeah that was in un- july unbelievable last, in, uh, july last year because we knew your parents were there we were looking in the crowd looking for them we were watching it we were screaming we had like a bunch of people at home just i think like lots of other people lots of other rowing families because uh we were all like so proud we knew you'd do it though i mean <laughs> It was a tough race, I think I remember. Tell me, what yeah. goes through your head, Jack, when you are doing those pulls? I mean, what goes through your head? What drives you? Because it's, you know, quite a thing uh, to do. How do you do it? Well, you've just got to, well, what I think about is that if I'm, if I'm tired or if I'm hurting in the race, 
the other guy opposite me must be just as tired if not more tired because you've got to trust all the training that you've done you've got to make sure that you've done all the training to the best that you can so if you if you haven't done the best you can or you haven't done that much training obviously it's a lot different but how i think of it is if i've gone out hard in the race and someone's beating me they must be in more pain than i am and if they beat me they beat me because i've tried my best but they there's nothing that there's nothing else i could do what does it feel like to lose at this level i hate it <laughs> yeah i really yeah, really I'm hate sure it. You do. Mm. yeah i don't i'm very competitive i don't i don't like losing even if it's on well this club is extremely competitive so you're only you might be top one day and then the next the, literally the day after someone will beat you and then bring you back down again and you're just going to try and keep winning, 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 winning. Are you are you racing like all the time? Do you race against other other universities or other clubs all all the time? So the last the last like two months have been quite full on. There's probably been races every every other week. There was a period in just this month in May that we had three weeks where we did one race in Belgium. Well, it was two races in Belgium, two races in Germany the week after, and then we went on a training camp where we were racing each other the whole time so we are racing a lot there's only three races left this year so there's one this weekend there's one in two weeks time and then two weeks after that is handy so it sort of comes quite quickly but there are a lot of races throughout the year there's just that little boring bit between probably december and february where there's not much going on and then as from March, it starts picking up and you start doing more and more and more races each week. What's it like getting up at five, six in the morning to train when it's freezing cold, when the river's cold, when everything is freezing? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I'm sure. It's, it's, it is awful. It's awful. You take so many clothes with you as well. So you've got, you've got to get the washing machine. Make sure the washing machine's working. And if you live in a house with, if you live in a house with four other for the rowers, it's it's a bit tricky trying to wash all your stuff and dry all your stuff in time for the sessions. Or oh, just uh, buy lo buy loads of stuff. You don't have your mum yeah. there to do it for you. You have to do it yourself, I guess. Exactly. You so, have to, yeah. you have to do it yourself. <laughs> Jack, tell there's me a, about your fit. Tell me about your fitness levels. I mean, you have to be fit to row, but then it's a whole new ball game. I remember your your mom. I think it was telling me that you know. You, I mean, I, I never I've never saw you big like as in fat big, and then she said, "Oh, he has to suddenly lose ten kilos because he needs to be lighter." And I he said, yeah. "She said I don't know how he's going to do this." I thought, "Pero por Dios, he's he's thin enough." How how does so that work? I, yeah, when I got when I got here, um, obviously because it's so competitive, there's so many. There's just so many like guys that are strong, fit, and got the same score as you, and they're a little bit lighter than you. So you either have to make your score a lot better or lose weight in order to be better than them. So I got here, I was quite heavy, and then so I started losing weight, and my scores were getting better. So that was like pushing me in the right direction, and then it got to a point where my scores weren't improving anymore but i was still losing weight so i yeah i'd lost about 10 or 12 kilos when i first got here wow that's quite a lot yeah in a year and then obviously now i've sort of throughout the years i've gone up a little bit in weight 
but it's only because my scores on the rowing machine need to be getting better. So, like, relatively, I need to be a little bit stronger, but also keeping quite light as well. Um, my scores have improved on the ergo a lot since I've come to Brooks just through all the, like, volume training that we've been doing. And obviously now being a little bit heavier helps as well. Do you enjoy the training? Um, not really. <laughs> At least you're being honest. I'm not selling it, am I? No. no. Um, <laughs> I enjoy it now in the when it's summer and the weather's nice and the boats are a little bit better. The, you, they start getting more set for like summer racing. But in the winter, it's pretty. It's a bit miserable at times. So you just got to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. I'll be honest. I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, this is the next question. Tell me about your crew. I mean, I see in all your Instagram posts that you have an amazing crew. You party hard as well. I have to say, I have seen some pictures, Um, but I guess it's very important because you crew, you row in an eight. Yeah. Most of the time, most of the time. Yeah. In the, and now we sort of switch into like, some people stay in the eight, some people go into fours and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be able to do all the training on my own. So having, well, there's a group at the moment at Brooks of a hundred people, men and wow. women. Wow. Wow. So okay. imagine having, imagine having all those people training and trying their best. So it just drives you on Yeah. in order to, to do better. You sort of row with this year. I feel like I've rowed with probably the same 20, 25 people. But when you when I first started rowing here, I was like jumping up and down boats. You're in like a really good boat one week, slightly worse one, then you get the ones in the middle. Um, so you just, you row with like so many people, so it makes it a lot more enjoyable. Um, it's like a family, no? I mean, like, I mean, like a Brooks yeah. rowing family. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely is. Uh, it is it is nice in the in the winter when you have so many people there training. It, it makes it a lot less. Um, a lot less miserable and then obviously the nights out you sort of go out and you're doing something different and it's a little bit more fun everyone hates everyone regrets it the next morning but it's, well, it's obviously quite fun that's part of being young and, and being able to do it at least you're able now and again to go out and and, and get pissed and and not so much be, anymore be, <laughs> no that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it, it gets hard because you're young and that's what you want to do. That's what, when, when are you going to do it otherwise? But of course, you've got this strict uh, uh, training program. Do you do anything like really special before a race? Like, um, I listen to some music and then I'll often like pace up and down for about 15 minutes just going through what the race is going to, what's going to happen, what I think is going to happen in the race and how I'm going to, how I'm going to race. That's normally, I do that for like bigger races. If it's like a smaller, sort of like local race in terms of like local area here, I won't necessarily do that, but I'll do that. And then I'll time whenever I'm going to have my, my caffeine before the race. And that's what it hits just before I start. And yeah, just make sure that no one like, Obviously, no one in the boat's really going to be messing around and stuff like that before the race. But just make sure they're on the right. How do you know? Yeah, how do you know if that's going to happen? If, if some of them are going to mess around? Uh, maybe at first, yeah, in the like first few years in the lower boats. But sort of now, 
in the in the higher boats and the more sort of competitive yeah everybody's serious where, like, everyone's mm. quite serious mm. Mm. there might be like the odd joke every now and again to calm a few mm. of the nerves but everyone's sort of like in the same mindset so you you want to be ready more so mentally than physically because physically you probably well you're ready you've done all the training already it's just mentally getting yourself in that state mm. on, the, on the day to make sure it's it all goes well is it is the mindset the most complicated thing about it yeah especially like in an event like henley where there's so many distractions going on there's people there's so many people um there's people like drinking there's people on like that are hung over from the night before there's people walking around getting food and there's just a lot going on so just closing yourself into that little like bubble and that little um sort of section with your crew is really really important so i found that really really useful last year and having like headphones that well noise cancelling headphones that just trap everything else out is really really helpful because you're there waiting to race and you've got all this going on around you yeah there's so many distra- and then there's like obviously as the event goes on more and more people get knocked out so there's like more and more fans uh, and i don't know if you've seen the video but there's like a video of us walking out for the final and it's like it's so crazy there's so many people just shouting at you and like getting you like ready to go but then as soon as you're in the water it's quiet again and like it's as if nothing before happened so just getting yourself in that right space and just sort of enjoying it but like blocking it out at the same time is is quite hard but it's something you have to do unfortunately how do you focus jack when you're on that boat and you know you're about to race and it's henley regatta and you want to win and it's all going on around you what keeps that focus right there uh i don't know probably not thinking about not thinking about winning just thinking about what you need to do on stroke one two three and then like what are you going to do at stroke 10 what are you going to do it when you get two or three hundred meters in just think literally just thinking about well that's what i do just think about what i'm going to do and how i'm going to do it best we've also got at brooks these um like screens on the boat that tell you what power you're doing every single stroke so you start thinking about what numbers you want to be seeing on the screen even before you've started racing so you want to see like certain number at this been in the race, certain number in this, been in the race, and then it'll give you an indication of how you're doing and how you're feeling as well. So you're seeing that as you're as you're rowing in on in yeah, the boat. Yeah, as, as you as you're going along, yeah, you've okay. got the screen with with the number. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, probably not to stop. <laughs> as in, when you're training, not not, not to stop. Keep I did going. it once. I did it once uh, here. And I got, well, I, I learned the hard way. Uh, what, you got, just stopped for like that just like that? Yeah, I, I was, I was really tired and I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling it. And I just stopped on the, on the ergo and I got, I got told off in front of everyone. Oh, gosh. And so I got embarrassed, I got embarrassed, uh, a bit humiliated, <laughs> but it was, it was good advice. Now I'll never, ever, ever, ever stop. <laughs> I bet. No matter how bad, no matter how bad <laughs> it's going, yeah, don't ever stop. You have to keep going. Mina, do you miss Jib? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. What do you miss the most? Uh, my family and the weather and how nice it is. But, but Jack, I miss you're living it a in. Lot. 
Sorry to interrupt, but you're living in Oxford. I lived there for 10 years. I mean, it's beautiful. I've it seen nice. where you row. Nice. I've seen where you row. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful place. Yeah. Very so lucky you, you be, could be in worse places. Yeah. It could be a lot worse. That's why I, I definitely missed home more yeah. um, in my first two years. Now I'm sort of not used to it, but like, it's just, I'm so sort of busy and I've got loads of stuff going on. I just sort of, I've just sort of distracted myself with that, I guess. How how do you deal with challenges, Jack? If things don't go your way, if you're having a bad day, if you just don't feel well, like you said before, um, wh how, what do you do? I mean, and you have to train and you have, and you've got like, you know, you're feeling ill. How do you yeah. do it? I normally call my parents and complain about it. <laughs> Love it. That's what my, they're there for. That's what parents are yeah. there for. And then my dad will tell me, they'll both tell me to get on with it and to not, not to worry about it and just do my best. Uh, they had that a lot last year, unfortunately. <laughs> I had last a lot year, of, um, yeah, was it like your most important year? Yeah, I think, because it was, it was the last year of me being a student. So it was the last year, well, it was one of the, it was the last chance for me to win an event in Henley being a student, because I tried the year before and we had lost. <laughs> So it was basically the last chance for me to win an event as a student. And it was also my last year as under 23. So you wanted to win Henley. This was your, this was your dream. Yeah. It was, win that, that, was, that was the main, yeah, that was the main, that was the main goal. Um, and then obviously under 23s as well, but that was sort of in, not the back of my mind, but it was something that I had a little bit further back. It was mainly Henley. And then thankfully under, under 23s, the selection for it was really good and then it all worked out really, really well in the end. And what was that moment like when you won? It was just like relief, I think, when yeah. When I eventually when I finally won, like yeah, Henley it was just such relief and joy. And you could see like in the photos and that I'm the one that was enjoying it the most. <laughs> Why the do others, you say that? How others, do you why why is that? The others were the others were a bit younger and they they obviously they had tried they but I'd have I sort of tried more times and me and this other guy had lost the year before so I just meant that a little bit more. And are you ever, are you allowed to like get your jib flag out and flash it around as much as you can in these events? I could if I wanted to, but I didn't want to be thinking about that before the race and I yeah. don't want to be thinking about yeah that sort of stuff because then if I if I wouldn't have won I would have looked a bit it wouldn't <laughs> have been a very good look. So you 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 row for Team GB now. Tell me right now what it is that you are I mean doing exactly. No, I, as I, in I, as I, in I, you row for Brooks. Yeah, yeah. And then the selections are done by some by another group of people who then select you for Team GB. Yeah, it works. It works for that. So for. Last year, for example, I raced um, with Brooks the whole the whole year, and then there's a series of trials you have to do throughout the year. And then if you do well at those, you sort of move on to the next round of trials. And eventually, in July, they have the last like maybe thirty, forty guys that they want for selection, and they pick the best eight or sixteen guys. 14 guys, something like that. Um, and that's like its own separate thing. Like Brooks have nothing to do with that. Okay. But now as I've been doing the, the trials now 
um, but for the seniors, and obviously it's it's a lot harder because they're all sort of national team guys, and they're well, they're professionals or what they do. They're getting paid. They're getting paid a salary to be there. Um, so I've been. I know we well. Me and this guy that I was in the pair with because you do the trials in in boats of two. We did really well, and we got invited back to do some like further testing with some other guys that did really well. But they said to us that there was obviously no space. There's like there's no space in the team at the moment, so there's no space for you guys to come on right now. So they sort of sent us back to Brooks. But that was only for maybe a week. We were there, and we sort of just like not training with them, but doing similar training to the guys in the national team and then doing our own sort of testing. But then after that, we all went back to our to our own clubs to keep getting better and try and do it again, basically, next year. Right. So you keep trying, basically. Yeah. You keep testing, you keep testing, you keep hoping that you will be fit enough, good enough. And then that's yeah, it. Exactly. So you, okay. Tell me, how do you chill out? Uh, you seem quite a relaxed guy, I have to say, for what you do. You I'm seem quite, quite tired chen- today, that's why. Ah, okay. I'm quite tired today. Um, normally, I'll watch a film or I'll go sort of out somewhere, get a coffee or, I don't know. I don't really have, I, I have some free time, but it's not It's not a, a crazy amount. Or I'll just sort of, I don't know, just... Chill. Yeah, watch a, watch Netflix watch a film or something. normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, what's next for you, Jack? I mean, apart from Brooke, you've got these Henley, Henley coming up. That's like the most important thing. Then, do you get to come out to gym for a bit? Yeah, I think in the summer I'll go. I'll go back to Gibraltar, um, and then maybe do a bit of um, go on holiday with my girlfriend, and then we'll sort of spend some time in Oxford, hitting around here, and. Yeah, it'll just be it'll be a lot more chilled out, uh, chilled out summer than it was last year. Last year it's been more hectic, up until July. But yeah, definitely I'll I'll go back home, even if it's for a week or two. It'll be it'll be nice to go back. Nice home. break. Mira, this my podcast is called Why Bother. This this series is called Why Bother. So I wanted to ask you, which is something I ask all my guests: Have you ever has that ever crossed your mind? Have you ever thought to yourself, why am I bothering with this? Yeah, you th- I think about I think about that all the time, probably on a weekly basis, especially in the in the winter. And then, obviously, doubts come into your head, like, "Oh, what's what's the point of even doing this? Why am I doing this?" But then, you sort of once you, I experienced it last year when I won in Henley, and then when I won under twenty three, is that it was it was worth it because just in that moment of getting like being selected to be in the bow, and then getting like I don't know I got the nice kit and then actually going there racing America racing Australia mm. everyone everyone in the world around the world it was a really really good and like rewarding feeling to be selected there so yeah that's that's probably why that's why I bother of course good for you now one last thing before I let you go to chill <laughs> if you were on a desert island and you could only take one person, who would you take and why? Um, I don't know. Probably my girlfriend. Good answer. Yeah, probably. Good answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably. I wouldn't. I don't know. I feel like if I take someone from my family, it would fall out eventually. <laughs> They're going to hear this, eh, Jack? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm going to get an angry <laughs> phone call from them, am I? You will, you will. I mean, it's been really, really nice to talk to you. We're done now. We've been chatting for half an hour. Thank you so much for giving up your time. I know how busy you are. We're all really proud of you. Keep flying that flag for us. Keep, keep pushing. Keep going. Okay. All right? Thank you very much for Thank having Jack. me. Take care. You've been listening to series three of my podcast, which is called Why Bother? It's a question I've often asked myself, and I'm sure you have too. And I wanted to speak to people about their journeys to success, why they've bothered. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a big thank you, too, to artist Beatrice Garcia for designing the podcast icon. Her website is beatricegarcia.com. Thank you for listening, and please like and rate the show. And should you want to get in touch, my email is rougechip at gmail.com.